How you doing? Oh, there's glass everywhere. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Hume from Ventura, I've heard. How's Ventura at this time of year? Awesome. Well, I love Ventura. You guys have beautiful beaches. Hey, my name is Corey, and I get the chance to uh, open God's Word with you this week as we unpack this story that we got to see on display. What did you guys think of that opener in those videos? Pretty cool? Yeah, are you curious? Are you curious to see where this story goes? Yeah, if you're curious, here's some good news. If you were to take out your Bible and open up just very first book, you'll see a book called Genesis. Go one book to the right. That's a book called Exodus, and that's where we're going to be this week. And in fact, that story that you see unpacked there, uh, that we saw rather on stage unpacked, is the same story that you're going to see in the book of Exodus. And all week long, we're going to learn about the character of God, the character of God. It's an important thing. It's a really important thing for us to understand who God is, because God, as we see in Scripture, is the supreme creator and author of life as we know it. And so it's important for us to understand who he is. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and I'll explain a little bit more of what I mean. Genesis chapter 3 Look at verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey, and the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Pray with me, and we are going to quickly kick things off in our study of God this week. Lord God, we thank you for a week of camp. Before we dive into it, we want to pause. We've had a long day of travel. We got to see some incredible, incredible things happening on this stage just a moment ago. We want to just pause and not rush on to the next thing, but to take a second and invite you here into this space. Take a moment to pause and reflect on how we're doing. How are we feeling going into a week of camp? Where are our minds this week? Where are our hearts? Where are our souls? Maybe these are questions that some of these students haven't ever taken a moment to ask. Maybe these are questions that their counselors and 
the staff here at Hume just desperately want to pause and take a deep breath and ponder themselves. How are you doing this week? God, regardless of how we are, we pray that you'll meet us here, that we'll get a fresh moment with you this week, and that we'll go home refreshed because we got to spend time with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I love the Los Angeles Lakers. I just love them. Like, I understand that there are people who might like other teams. I saw your thumb down. What's your name? Emma. Yeah, Emma. That was your, did your friend just say what your name is? Her friend was like, that's Emma. She hates the Lakers. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what her name is. Doesn't matter to me because she doesn't like the Lakers. Anyone here love the Lakers like I do? Yeah? Yeah. It's a, it's a tough year. Like, this is how you know you're a fan. If, like, you can hang through years like this, you're a fan, right? You're a fan. Uh, for those of you who don't like the Lakers, what team do you like? The Suns. Go to Arizona. What about you? What? There's a lot. Hey, I'm not. Warriors fans are so obnoxious. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him. What, what is it? Oh, gosh. I'd rather root for the Warriors than the Clippers. Listen, I love the Lakers. Uh, just, before, um, just before March of 2020, when the world kind of changed forever, a friend of mine said, hey, my boss gave me tickets to the Lakers game. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, awesome. It's, it's uh, two nights from now. We'll go to L.A. We'll grab dinner. We'll go to the game. And I'm like, it's not even my birthday. Like, this is great news. So we go to the game, and his boss is apparently what we'd call a baller because these Seats were nine rows behind the Lakers bench. Like, I could see the sweat on the back of LeBron James's head, his, like, balding head. I could see sweat, like, right there from my seat. And we're sitting there, and I'm just having the time of my life because I love the Lakers. I'm going crazy. They were playing the Warriors. Spoiler alert, they beat the Warriors. And I got into this habit that night of every time the, um, the Warriors would pass Draymond Green the ball, I would yell, Draymond, you suck. I would just yell it. And I got everyone around me to start like doing this chant. And at one point, the people with like the red jackets on like came up to me and like, sir, you can't yell you suck because you're yelling so loud. The TV cameras are picking you up and they can hear you on ESPN saying, Draymond, you suck. And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Draymond, <laughs> like, I'm going to go even louder now. I mean, I am just going crazy. Uh, fourth quarter, it's a close game. LeBron James wins the game for the Lakers. And the whole time, I'm like trying to get his attention. And I'm with three of my friends, and I swear there's this moment in the fourth quarter where he turned around and like kind of did a wave at me. And my friends were like, you got his attention. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got LeBron James's attention. Like the king. Steph Curry's not the king. Devin Booker's not the king. Kawhi Leonard's washed up. I got the king's attention. A lot of this is going over some of your heads. It's okay. Here's the point. The point is, uh, LeBron James wasn't waving at me, friends. And this is a theme that is reoccurring in my life. He wasn't waving at me because across the aisle from me was his wife. In other words, the entire game, I am being so obnoxious Little did I know, I'm literally sitting next to LeBron James's wife for the entire game. I felt embarrassed, but also it was kind of awesome. Here's why I share that story at the beginning of our week. Because I think a lot of us go through life just like that. 
We go through life living our own way, doing our own thing, and maybe when we're at church, we'll put on the label of Christian. And maybe when we come to camp, we'll put on the label of Jesus follower. And maybe when you're studying Bible in school, you'll be like, yes, I love Jesus. But for those other moments, the majority of the rest of your life, you live with no regard for God. I think for a lot of us, it's important for us to understand the character of God because when we understand God's character, it demands that we change. It demands that we live for him. It demands that we begin to live lives that are marked by obedience as we follow after Jesus. If you don't believe me, we see a story very similar to what I just kind of shared with you in the way that we're supposed to live in light of who God is here in the book of Exodus. We've got a few characters here, don't we? We've got Moses, who is played by, what was his name? Mose, yeah. And then there's going to be a character named Pharaoh. Who was that? Phineas, Phineas, yeah. And then the the character we're going to be studying all week and looking at and really trying to wrestle with and spend time with is Jaira. Good, you guys are paying attention. And uh, at this moment in time, this is going to be, if you know your Old Testament, about 400 years after Joseph moved to Egypt. 400 years after he moved to Egypt and died, and the relationship that Egypt had with Israel had like soured. It had gone really south. And so at this point, the Egyptians have now enslaved the Israelites. Egypt is, what's the, what's the town? Copperhead. Awesome. I just want to make sure you're awake. You guys have had a long day, right? So just so you can see some of the parallels of what you're going to see all week on stage and on video, I want to make sure that we're catching what some of those characters are so none of it goes over our head, okay? And, and just as we read, it says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father, the priest of Midian. He'd led this flock of sheep to the far side of the mountain. And when he did that, he led these sheep to the far side of the mountain. Moses has this crazy experience when he goes up onto the mountain. What do we see happen? Burning bush. You guys are good. What was that displayed with tonight? What did we see? Not Dwayne Johnson, right, but an actual rock that was on fire. Good. We're on our toes. It says this. It says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. It says, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Moses notices something really interesting about this burning bush. In fact, he, he notices it to be so interesting that in two separate occasions, two verses apart, he mentions this interesting thing that he sees happen, doesn't he? What does he see happening to the bush? What what was that? It doesn't burn up. Moses notices that there's a bush that is on fire, but while it's on fire, it's not burning. Just last week, I was in my office. I work from home. I was in my office, and I heard my daughter, she's 11, her name is Marley. I heard her yelling, Dad, fire! And if it was like any of the other kids, I'd be like, calm down. But like Marley's not dramatic. I was like, there must be a fire. Sure enough, I run out of my office and into the kitchen. And there's this like cute little basket my wife had that holds like the soap and things and the sponge. And it's on fire. Like so much fire that it's like touching the chandelier above the sink. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's like, what do I do? And I was like, I don't, I'm just kidding. I'm like, well, put it out. So we squirt it with the the faucet thing. And now there's a mess. And I'm like, Whoa, the kitchen like really was on fire. That's the thing about fire, friends. Fire gets your attention, doesn't it? God 
chooses to get Moses' attention through a burning bush. But the interesting thing about this burning bush is that this bush is on fire, but it doesn't burn up. That's an interesting thing to note. It's interesting to note because when you light something on fire, it tends to dissipate. It tends to turn into carbon and and smoke and ash and all of those things that you see when you have a bonfire on the beach. But here's the deal about God. God shows up to Moses in the form of a fire, and because God needs nothing to sustain himself, the bush doesn't burn. This is is sort of where our first characteristic of God is going to be found. The fact that God needs nothing to sustain himself. What do you, what do you need to sustain yourself throughout the day? What do you need? Um, water. Food, water. Yes. Sleep. <laughs> You're the only one that said it. Perfect. Thank you for not sleeping now, by the way. Uh, video games. Yeah. Abs- amen. Uh, no. What else? Yes. In the, in the back. What do you need? Candy. Amen. Candy. Yeah, we need things to sustain ourselves. Why? Like, you can't go more than three days without water or you're going to die. Like, you, you can't go more than, depending on, like, how you're built up an extended period of time without food or you'll die. You can't go without sleep or you'll die. Why? Because you have limitations. Here's the thing about the God that we're going to study this week. Focus, focus, look at me. Here's the thing about the God that we're going to study this week. He needs nothing to sustain himself. He doesn't have any limitations. Here's what that could mean for you, since I can tell we got the squirrels. Here's what that could mean. Um, are things hard in your house right now? Are things tough at home for you? Maybe some of you are coming here with a family life that seems difficult. Maybe your parents are at odds. Maybe you don't get along with a sibling. Maybe your grades are failing. Maybe you're not doing as good on the sports team as you want. Maybe you've fallen into what we'll talk about tomorrow, something called sin. You know you're not living right. Here's the deal and the good news about a God who needs nothing to sustain himself. The good news about God needing nothing to sustain himself while we live in this perpetual state of of not being enough is that he can become that for us. That this God who can show up in the appearance of a bush that needs nothing to remain on fire, he can provide that same sustenance for you and for your soul. Look at what happens for Moses here as he has a conversation with him. It says in verse 4 that the Lord saw that he had gone over to look and God called to him from within the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. For the place that you are standing is holy ground. The first characteristic of God that we're going to talk about tonight to kick camp off is the fact that God is holy. Say that word with me, holy. Now, who knows what the word holy means? Yeah. You lost it? It's okay. What about you? Perfect and pure. Those are two really good words. Yes. Righteous, yes. Any others? Yeah, right over here. Yeah, amen to that. You're a preacher, I could tell. Okay, over here, green. What is it? Set apart. All of you, great answers. Here's what holiness is defined in Scripture as. And some of you said words like this. Set apart. No one like him. If you're taking notes, write that down. God is holy, and holiness means set apart. 
So when Moses sees this bush that is on fire but not burning up, it makes sense that this bush can defy, defy the laws of thermodynamics or, and, and physics and, and heat and all of these things because God is in it. It defies things that would normally limit us. The holiness of this God invites Moses into his presence and he says, hey, take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy ground. Why is that place holy? It's holy because God is there. When we talk about God, the first thing that should come to mind is holiness. There's this theologian, his name is R.C. Sproul. And this theologian, R.C. Sproul, he passed away just a few years ago, but he had a brilliant mind for God and he has this quote. He says, listen, the, the Bible doesn't say that God is Love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, wrath, wrath. The Bible doesn't say that about God. But the, what the Bible does say is that God is holy, 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 and that the whole earth is filled with his glory. Meaning this, God is able to be loving to us because he is holy. God is able to be merciful to us because he is holy. God is able to be just because he is holy. It's as if scripture is telling us that God is able to be all of those things that we love and know him for, for those of you who have a relationship with him, because he's holy. It's because he's set apart that he's able to save us. It's because he's set apart that he's able to love us. Did you know Moses wasn't the only person in the Bible to come face to face with this God? It happens a couple times. There's this incredible book. I want you to turn to the sixth chapter. Someone yelled, Paul. Is that your name or are you talking about Paul? Paul. Yeah. Well, you didn't answer. Saul. Saul. Yeah, good. I didn't know if you're like, my name's Paul. I was like, hey, man, I'm Corey. That was a few minutes ago, but good to meet you. Anyone else want to yell a name at me? David. David. Someone just said Jeff. Ezra. I, I honestly don't know. Some of you could be right. Some of you could be lying in front of everybody. Okay. All right. Isaiah is where we're going to go. Please don't yell at me anymore. I'm getting scared. Okay. Isaiah chapter 6. I want to give you a second to turn there. Isaiah chapter 6. Have you turned there? So if you see Psalms, Proverbs, keep going a little more. Isaiah is a book that's known as a major prophet, which just means it's like a really long prophecy. It's one of the bigger books in your Bible. We're going to go to the sixth chapter. Now, just a reminder, this is why we're going here, because Moses isn't the only person to come face to face with this holy God. Moses isn't the only person to come face to face with this God who is set apart. Let's look at Isaiah's account of this happening. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. It says, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Here's what happens. So the prophet Isaiah gets an invitation to go to a place that's called the throne room of God. He has this vision. And while he's in the throne room of God, he sees the king high and lifted up on a big throne. Who sits on thrones? Kings. Kings sit on thrones. Who sits on big thrones? Big kings. Do you know what the train of a robe is? Has anyone in here ever been to a wedding? You've been to a wedding? And there's that moment where the bride walks down the aisle and there's that long, flowing, beautiful piece of fabric, fabric that kind of follows her. The reason that's there is because in older times, 
that fabric was meant to deter people from walking too close to the person who had the robe with the long train. It's as if you could say, the longer the train on the robe, the more distance you'd have to keep from that person. Who wears a big robe with a big train? A big king. And in this view of this throne, a big throne with a big robe and a big train, there's these angelic creatures that are flying around. And it says with, they had six wings. With two, they covered their eyes. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And as they fly, they're singing a song. They're singing a song that was so loud and so powerful that it began to shake the very temple that Isaiah is seeing this vision of God in. Do you know what song they were singing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It says this, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah has just got a glimpse of the holiness of God, the same God that Moses on the mountaintop is coming face to face with in this encounter with a burning bush. And do you want to know what Isaiah's response was when he comes face to face with this big king on a big throne with a big robe? Do you know what he says? Pause for a second. Don't answer. Don't, don't, don't be funny. Don't be obnoxious. I want you to just imagine for a second coming face to face with the God of the Bible. What would you say? Coming face to face with his holiness, with his beauty, with his glory. Scripture would call this a revelation. God gives you a revelation, a picture of who he is. Don't answer. Don't, don't try and take attention right now. What would your response be? Consider that in your own mind for a second. What would your response be if you came face to face with God? Isaiah's response was the same as Moses' response. And these are two guys who have a response that is so profound, I don't think coming face to face with God allows room for any other kind of response. Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah comes face to face with God, and just like Moses does, he realizes he's not enough. He realizes that God's holiness, that is to say God's set-apartness, that is to say the thing about the burning bush that allowed it to be on fire yet not burn up, the beauty, the glory of that causes Isaiah to go, I, I can't handle this right now. My sixth birthday party, I was so into the Ninja Turtles. So into the Ninja Turtles. Anyone else here born like in the 80s? Yeah? All right, I was born in 1986. I'll help you out. I'm 35. So counselors, you don't have to count backwards. I'll just tell you I'm 35 years old, okay? And I remember for my sixth birthday, so 29 years ago, uh, my parents threw me a birthday party. And I was really into the Ninja Turtles. I had like the truck that shot pizzas. I had all the action figures. And I'm talking more than just like the main four. I had Splinter... I had Bebop, I had Rocksteady. If, this, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just chill for a second. Let me, just, let me just flex on your youth pastor and your teachers for a moment here, okay? 
I had the blimp. You didn't even know there was a blimp. I had it, okay? And my dad goes, hey, I got a surprise for you at your birthday party. You're going to love it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I was in karate because I love the Ninja Turtles so much. Don't laugh. It's not funny. What's funny about that? I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm in karate, and, uh, and, and uh, the Ninja Turtles are at my birthday party. I've got, like, the shirt. I've got the toys. And my dad goes, all right, party's here. Uh, all, my, all my friends were there. And my dad goes, hey, we've got some guests of honor to celebrate Corey's birthday party. And in walks... Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles. Rather uh, creepy guy who thought, I think I want my job to be dressing up like a childhood hero and visiting them at their birthday parties, walks into my birthday party, and my dad goes, what do you think? And I looked at him, and I started crying, and I ran away, and I hid in my room. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle coming face to face with one of my heroes. Why? I, to this day, I don't know. But whenever I read about Moses and Isaiah's encounter with the burning bush, I can relate a little, because I felt that way when I was face-to-face -face with Leonardo. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? He knows what I mean. Here's the point of the story. The point of the story is this. This week, you, my friends, have an opportunity to consider something that you're not too young to consider. To consider something that Regardless of your background, regardless of the school you go to, regardless of the reason you came here to camp this week, you have the opportunity to consider something that I promise you will change your life forever. And the thing that you have an opportunity to consider this week at camp is who is God? I'm not, I'm not saying consider who is God to you. I'm not saying consider who is God to your friends. I'm not saying consider who is God to those around you. I'm asking you, me to you, one-on-one, -on -one, who is God to you? Who is God to you? What comes to mind as you think that? What words come to mind as you think about God? What things begin to fill your brain when you begin to consider that there could even be a God? That this God loves you? That the Bible teaches that this God is so in love with you that he would put up the most ultimate sacrifice of all time to simply have a relationship with you. But in order for us to get to those other parts of who God is, we first have to know that he's holy because his holiness is what sets him apart from everything and everyone else. Let's pray and close our time tonight. God, thank you so much for being holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us tonight, at least pointing us to some passages in Scripture that help us to understand who you are. Just like Moses came face to face with you on a mountaintop, just like your disciples came face to face with you on a mountaintop and had these crazy encounters, and just like tens of thousands of students who have been to this place before every one of us in this room tonight have come face to face with you as a result of coming to camp, God, we pray that you would meet us here this week. We pray that as we learn about your creation, that you would help us to know that we're loved. God, we pray as we learn more about your character, that you would help us to learn more about who you are so that we can love you more. Help us, God, to know you better this week, to learn how to live for and with you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.